Welcome to Heal, the podcast. On today's episode, we head over to the United Kingdom to connect with entrepreneur and humanitarian Nolene Maripin, who shares how she has healed through the hardships of life. From growing up in South Africa apartheid as a non-white person, to big business wins and total losses, to healing cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. Nolene, thank you so much for being here. And you no know, like problem I share, this is really just about us having a conversation and you getting an opportunity to share some of your story, particularly in the context of healing. You know, mm-hmm. my assertion is, is that healing has become a bit of a four letter word in conventional medicine and even our life. Like healing's messy. Healing's got tears and grief and skin rashes and discharges and all kinds of things that happen for people. And, and, um, it's not a conversation I feel like a lot of people are talking about it. We love to share the heroic results after we've been through the process. Yeah. I'm really interested in getting to capture for some people like on the ground, what it was like when they were confronted with the challenge and going through it and coming out the other side. So thank you for being willing to give us a slice of your life and your heart. No problem at all. And uh, (laughs) what's really interesting about this and what you've just, um, sort of the precursor to this that you've just laid out is that I've been interviewing a few people regarding business success. Mm. And that's exactly what I'd said to them. I said what I'd want to what I really wanted them to share was the journey to it and sort of Mm. the low points and how they got past those lowest points and how they got through it because it's always about or very often nowadays about the success story yeah and you know how people have succeeded and and it's it's very similar I think a lot of people who are going through the pain and are in the process of healing and overcoming um what they really need is to be able to reach out and see that there are other people in the same or similar position that they're in and see that there's a way out of it. Um, Because sometimes it's, it's very hard to see beyond the point that you're at. And especially with social media now. Oh God. um, I know. know. Everyone's, happy and excited and you know everything great is going on um and and people sort of post the the you know the the best moments of their lives um and and i say this with a caveat because there are of course some people who share every aspect of their life and some people who sort of focus on the negative and it's often the case that you don't get that balance and you don't really see that you know, people are sort of trialing their way through trials, really. Um, And for me, it was very, very similar. Um, I, my background, I'm from South Africa. I come from very sort of humble beginnings and didn't realize how humble they were until I left Mm. (laughs) and sort of, you know, moved on to other things and went to university and, and saw that people lived in a very different way. Um, I was always laugh about part of my upbringing and um, remembering very fondly how my older brother and I used to uh, go out and find where the neighbor's chickens had laid their eggs so we could steal them for dinner because we didn't have any food. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I yeah. know. So, uh, so so when I'm when I'm looking to um, work with people in business partnerships, I, I I always forewarn them that I'm a thief. And <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this just reminds me. I have to share a story. I I don't know what we're gonna turn this into, making it mean. But when I was a kid, when I was about three, yeah. uh-huh. we had a gravel driveway, and like we yeah. lived in the farmhouse that was the main house of the whole area. And it used to be just like that house and land. And then eventually Mm -hmm. the neighborhood grew up around it. Yeah. And we had this gravel driveway and I apparently would go out and spend like an hour carefully choosing specific rocks out of the gravel driveway. And I would wash them and I would lay them in the sun and dry them. 
And then I would leave the yard and I would go to my neighbors and I'd sell them to my neighbors. And there was oh, one day where like my mom couldn't find me. I just disappeared. And I came back with like a dollar thirty-six in my pocket. And she's like, How did you do that? So there's been this long-standing joke about me in business, how like I've been a natural salesperson since I was three years old when I could convince the neighbors to give me their pocket change for rocks. I think I was more in the world of trying to figure out how I could go buy candy at the local store, not so much having to feed my family. So it was a little different context, but <laughs> oh but yeah. what a creative young mind I love that story that's wonderful and also you had the cute factor at three so uh-huh. just bat my eyelashes and they'd give me their I pocket know, change right? in exchange for rocks that they had in their own backyard it was great I literally think I could sell iced Eskimos like I think I could find a way <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, oh god, I'm actually crying right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's just go ahead and and get get right into it. So, yeah. You, that was your upbringing and you grew up in South Africa yeah, and so then where did it South go from Africa, there? Um, went to university um, which was was very different I mean also I grew up during the period of apartheid Mm. so um, being non-white and and being sort of segregated so the only people I knew were people of a very similar background to me and apartheid ended when I started university and I was exposed to this whole new world. Um, it wasn't just in terms of education, it was also in terms of culture. Yeah. And um, uh, at university, uh, I actually, you know, there, there were a number of things which happened. And um, that was my sort of first encounter of being in a situation where I was just bombarded with so many new things. And amidst all of that was a new way of feeling and Mm. I I suffered from depression at university um and it was you know it was sort of 95 96 um still a relatively new thing in terms of how people related to it um and I recall someone very close to me telling me to snap out of it Mm. Um, because that was the mindset, you know, that you were, you know, you, you, was, you were feeling down um, and it got quite bad. And I went back home and a lot of people now are, are quite shocked by this um, because I, my parents took me to, to the hospital. They were really sort of struggling financially themselves, but, you know, had to make something work and were trying to fix me, if you will. Um, went to see psychologists and a psychiatrist, and they recommended electroshock therapy. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I I had electroshock therapy um, in the so mid to late nineties. Um, and it was horrific. Um, Mm. it was just, uh, I was just completely numb both from the medication and from the therapy. And there are still huge chunks of my life because it affects your, your memory. Mm. And there are huge chunks of my life that I just don't remember. Mm. Um, so experiences with other people, movies, songs, uh, so movies I know I've watched and I just can't remember a single thing about it <laughs> or experiences I've had yeah. where it's sort of like a vague, like a dream where it's, you know, I sort of know that it's happened and I just can't make out any of the detail around it. Um, and I went back to university after that. And even though in sort of, medical terms I was fixed yeah there was still so much more um to heal you know like you you'd spoken about that healing process and how it is messy and drawn out and you know it's 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 not just a quick fix mm-hmm. um and I had to find ways to 
get through it because I, I was surrounded by amazing people and I didn't want to bring them down <laughs> uh, because that was very much how I felt that if I was, I went through days where I was feeling low, um, I, it sort of brings everyone else around you down. Yeah. And, and now you often have, um, I, I can't remember what exactly the term is that people use. Um, energy vampires <laughs> mm, yeah i've heard that one <laughs> yeah i i didn't want to turn into one of those yeah. where i felt like my mood was going to bring down other people um so i sort of focused on work and threw myself into exploring opportunities and looking at the world beyond me and looking for any source of inspiration that I could find. Um, And it was really just living vicariously through not, not necessarily other people that I knew. So taking inspiration from people that I knew, but also looking beyond and looking at what was possible and reading about other people who'd experienced really difficult things in their lives and trials and had gotten beyond it Um, and focusing on that positive. And it really was every single day waking up and finding to start with just one positive thing and Mm. just one thing to be grateful for and one thing that was going right. And this was sort of amidst working three jobs and getting through uni Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everything else. And, um, and with every day it got easier. Mm. So it got easier to find the positive things. Um, and, and then one day I would just have a terrible day where it was, I just don't want to get out of bed. Um, but there were things you know, there were sort of yeah. forces beyond me that dragged me out of bed. I was like, well, if you don't get out of bed, you can't go to work. And if you don't go to work, you're not going to get paid. And if you can't get paid, <laughs> yep. it was that sort of the, you know, the knock on effect and the chain reaction that would be in place and that sense of perspective. And I know that, you know, for me at that point, it was a little easier because even though it was difficult, I could still get out of bed and go and do what I needed to do. But I know that there are so many other people who it is just the hardest thing and they actually can't, you know, they can't. Um, But for me personally, it was that sort of the building blocks of every day getting up and initially just looking for that one good thing. And, and then it's it, with every day that passed, it got easier and easier to find good things and to get a sense of perspective of what was right for me and in my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's strange because, you know, the, what I'd gone through was this chemical imbalance, you know, it, initially that that's what caused everything and and so really I mean you'd you'd probably know more about this (laughs) than I but um but you know a lot of doctors would say well it would it would take correcting the chemicals to bring it back on track and that sort of thing but for me I found that changing like those gradual changes in my mindset and mm-hmm. how I was thinking about things started to correct that. Yeah. And it's been a very, very long journey. But right now, every day I wake up and I feel that I can do more. Mm-hmm. And I get up with the motivation and the excitement of being able to do more and accomplish more and make more of a difference. Um, and if I think of myself back then, I would, especially at the outset, when I, when I had to go back home and when I went through the treatment, um, I would never have thought that it was possible to be who I am now. Mm. Uh, it, and if someone had 
said to me when I was, you know, sort of lying in that dazed state after any of my treatments, <laughs> you know, and sort of showed me a video clip of, of what Your was life. possible of yeah. my life. Um, you know, I, I would have said there's absolutely like no way on in heaven or yes. earth or anywhere else yeah. that that would be possible. You know? um, but yeah, so that was sort of my first healing yeah. experience and journey. I mean, I, I don't know. Is this sort of the type of thing you're looking for? Sure. Just please feel free to yeah, ask me. Yeah, I will. I will. No, I mean, it, it absolutely is. And I'm going to ask a few more specifics of like in that, yeah, I mean, sure. I got the mindset shift and I got, mm-hmm. you got access to looking for something positive and, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. But you did mention that there were like books and things you read and some stories that guided you. Can you point to any of those? Like specifically what, like what made the uh, difference for you? Yeah, I, right now I really can't. Um, I used to yeah, just, the me- the yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah the, well, not even that, but it wasn't, it wasn't like any specific Got book. It. Yeah. Um, I would, um, I would, I do searches and it was, it was back in the day when there was an internet. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to go to the library. If we can remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You'd have to go to I the would library. wander the bookshelves of like, you know, Barnes and Noble all the time. And that's where so much of my inspiration came from. Not Google. And, um, and, and sort of, you know, search on one of their very antiquated systems. And they would like Dewey decimal cards where you had to search through <laughs> Yeah. Um, and and it was literally looking for things like, you know, people with disabilities and looking mm-hmm. at disabilities and trying to find a book for people with disabilities and looking at books and then finding a story about someone who, you know, had accomplished something great with disabilities. But this mm-hmm. was this was the process. It wasn't okay, I'll just do a search for inspirational people who've yeah. overcome, which now you can type that Now in you can do and that. get a million <laughs> no. stories, you know, and yeah. find a whole host of books. And, and, you know, that would be as easy as it was. Yeah. It was sort of old-fashioned graft and, and a lot of hit and miss and looking at a lot of things which were totally irrelevant <laughs> to find something. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, because, because for me, I mean, I did, I did actually feel, and I think, you know, that's probably why it's the first thing that's come to mind or the first example. Um, I did actually feel that I, I was in a position of disability. Yeah. I, I felt like I was, I, I was, I wasn't able. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously not in the, the, um, sort of traditional sense, but yep. that's really how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those were the, the things that I, I looked for. And then there was inspiration, obviously, from the, the people that I, I was meeting and knew around me and who'd sort of been through quite a lot in their lives, some just purely because of the, the way that, Sa- that South Africa and apartheid worked during yeah. that time. Yeah. But also just, you know, just looking around, like you'd sort of walk down the street and, and there were street children um, who were sometimes just wanting money to buy glue <laughs> so they could sniff it. But, you know, that too was a result of their circumstances and, yeah. and what they'd been driven to. Um, but, you know, getting, getting a sense of perspective and that. Um, so there, there were a number of things. Some of it, some of it wasn't always easy to find, yeah. uh, and some was just always in plain view. Mm. Yeah. So, awesome. um, yeah. yeah. Now, now it's a lot easier to find inspiration <laughs> and those <laughs> inspirational stories. <laughs> yeah, and so, it's yeah. and it's equally. I mean, I do find like I I miss a little bit of that the the random serendipitous things that would find my way find their way into my life that it were unexpected it's harder to do that because like I'm not going to google for something I can't think of I always end up searching for the things I think I you know (laughs) so you got to like listen differently I do miss those days I used to hang out in a bookstore and just like for me it was all it was always the metaphysical 
and spiritual healing and then mm-hmm. nut- nutrition. I mean, I just like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course I ended up as a naturopath because I just would mm-hmm. live there. <laughs> and that would be all the books I would read on like Wayne Dyer and, you know, um, manifesting things you wanted in life and Michael Dooley and manifesting change. And like, those were all my, yeah. my Bibles in college when I was going through things like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that for me came later when I was yeah. sort of exposed to mm. a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, so I went, I went to university in a very, very small town. Um, the university pretty much made up the town. So you know, the bookstores were bookstores that stocked university books. Got it. Yep. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was sort of like a different, a different type of experience and, and even studying psychology, you know, it was back then, um, there were some things which considered fr- fringe psychology. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so if you, so, so the more you talked about, like different, um, well, Wayne Dyer, for example, is not something that would have been covered uh-uh. or, you know, it's no. not a book that would have been stuck to the library. Yeah. Um, and, and I was, sort of, I was, I, I've, I became more exposed to those sorts of teachings and, and now listen to a lot of the audio and, and you can just put on YouTube, you know, uh-huh. search, but on YouTube it's <laughs> amazing. Um, but that came that came later on later, for me, okay. and and that actually helped me quite a lot. Um, well, with with some of my other healing later yeah, on. That's what I was going to ask you about because you mentioned you dealt with was it cervical cancer? That's right. Yeah. 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 Tell yeah. me about that. Um. So that. Um. Yeah. Was was during uh, quite a stressful period of my life. Um. So I'd, I'd gone on from university, traveled a bit, um, and then did quite well in business uh, and, and, and then managed to make some poor decisions and lost quite a lot in business too. Um, and during that phase where, where I went through that, uh, there were a number of things which happened um, like, you know, losing practically everything overnight in business mm-hmm. and, and having some very bad news um, from home. My youngest brother was in a very serious car accident. He um, had severe brain damage. When he was in the accident, they had to induce a coma. He lost an eye, had a lot of trauma to his face. Um, he was only 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, family were were dealing with that um and i then was diagnosed with um, cervical cancer mm. and i went through this phase of just you know having to deal with the business stuff that was going on what had happened with my brother um and then the diagnosis and i made a decision not to tell my family about the diagnosis, mm. um, we I, I was living in a separate in, in a different country. By this time, I'd been away from South Africa for quite a long time, and um, and so I, I spoke to the doctors. Um, thankfully, it was early stages. There was you know quite a good chance that with treatment it would be fine, um, and I made that decision, and then proceeded to you know look at all the treatments that I could get and <laughs> what I could do to you know, really believing that it was all going to be fine I think yeah. that was sort of the difference mm. like it happened and and I, I didn't just leave I knew like I absolutely 100% knew that it was going to be okay um, and made that decision and sort of went along in a very kind of practical way I dealt with it in a very practical way. Uh, and I think part of it was just a separation. And I think that was easier for me to kind of separate from the emotion of it and just see it as a process that I was dealing with. And there were certain things that I needed to do. And I sort of got into my meditation again, because when, you know, sometimes you feel like life is taking over and those things <laughs> yeah. fall by the wayside. Yeah. Um, 
looked at my eating patterns and what I was eating, try to do things that, you know, I, I felt was going to manage my stress levels. Um, and, and thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to get this sorted. <laughs> this is going to be okay. Um, and went through the process of it and, there were a number of setbacks. So I had, um, I thankfully didn't have to have chemotherapy. I had um, laser loop surgery um, and I had uh, radiotherapy. Mm -hmm. And the initial was the laser loop surgery. And then they discovered that, you know, there were still some cells and sort of went through a few different things and the process continued and you know the last of the treatment was radiotherapy yeah um and and it was fine and then you know sort of i had to go for my my um checkups every month and then it moves on from every month to every three months and Mm -hmm. after a period it's sort of you know less and less frequent um but what i realized was that Actually, like physically, I had healed, uh, but mentally and emotionally, I don't even know whether like, to say I hadn't healed is the right way of, of putting it, but I, I hadn't even allowed for myself to really deal with it or mm. acknowledge or accept emotionally how that was and what I felt. Um, and around that time as well, it was, it was just, you know, so many things. Um, I, my partner at the time, um, my boyfriend at the time, he and I had been seeing each other for, it was about six years and we'd broken up as well. And then my brother was in this accident and I was diagnosed and it was, there was so many things. It was quite, oh you know, yeah. yeah. And I, I did, I just dealt with everything in a very practical way yeah and it was a coping mechanism yeah um it was my way of dealing with all of that because i had to help out with family stuff in south africa and um you know make sure that everything was taken care of for my brother and the family was okay um had to figure out what was going to happen with the sort of parting of ways with the relationship because we owned a house together. Um, and then, you know, it was like, oh, cancer, you know, this is inconvenient. <laughs> oh <my>. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I can imagine you even, I, I mean, if it were me, I'd be like, cancer, I don't have time for this. And like, that is what? exactly, yeah, that is exactly it. And it was like, well, you know, I don't, it's going to be okay. I don't need to bother my family with this right now, you know, and, and I worked through all of it. So mm. I was working. So when I had to have um, my treatment or whatever, I was booking it on for the Fridays. I would take the Monday off so that I had a long weekend <laughs> and yeah. I'd be back to it. And, and initially that was fine to the end, toward the end, it got I was exhausted, mm. <laughs> but it was still, it was just, okay, you know, just practically just get through this, you know, this, yeah. it was just a process. Um, and it was only when it was all over that I started to feel and, and I, I didn't even recognize it at the beginning. It was just like certain things would trigger a reaction in me. Mm. So, um, for example, when I would, uh, when outside of my menstrual cycle, there would be spotting or something like that. I would, I would start panicking. Yeah. Um, and, and it was sort of like my emotions and my head were disconnected. I was feeling these things and just made no sense to me because I, you know, I, I shouldn't be afraid because I was absolutely certain, like I knew absolutely 100% I'd be fine and now I'm fine. And, uh, you know, why am I, <laughs> why am I scared? Like, what am I scared of? Yeah. Um, and I really had to take a step back and, and think through, and it was, it was, you know, it, it, it seemed like, um, 
I was an idiot. You know? mm. <laughs> I had to treat myself like an idiot and really just stop and, and, and like retrace my steps and I consider what it is. And afterward, it just seems obvious. Like right now I'm talking to you and it seems so obvious, but back yeah. then it really wasn't. Like yeah. back then it wasn't, I had to, I had to really think through what, you know, why am I feeling this way? Um, and initially I didn't, I didn't even identify the feeling as fear or panic or whatever. It, it was totally, there was a disconnect even to what was triggering it. And it's, it took quite a lot of, of, thinking through and dissecting and actually looking at things that had gone by because uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of it now is so sort of in the moment, in the present, think about where you're at and what's going on. But for me at that point in time, I actually had to think about what had gone on yeah. because that was, you know, that was where it all came from. And I had to deal with that in order to move past it. And in order for my present to be okay again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so for that part of my life, um, it was, it was sort of a lot of going back and dissecting and, and figuring things out and weirdly retrospectively allowing myself to feel something. Yeah. And it's, it's, a strange one because I was going through this after I had already physic I physically yep. I was okay. Yeah. Um, yep. and yeah, so that, that was, you know, that was quite an interesting journey for me and it took quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and it took quite a long time. Well, even now, I mean, you know, now when things happen, I think, I sort of expect, not expect, I, I understand where it's coming from, like, you know, recent checks that I had to go for. And initially I, I had a call and I had to go back in because the um, cells weren't normal. So they've got to check again, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything's wrong. It's just right. that, yeah. you know, they've been scarred. And so sometimes they pick up, up this, yeah. yeah, exactly. Just the scar tissue. Um, so, so recently when that's happened um i had the call and i felt the fear and i accepted that okay you know this is <laughs> natural and normal and i know where this is coming from and uh it was a lot easier yeah. to yeah. you know sort of deal with it in the moment and also recognize where that was coming from and that you know it's it's not a sign of of weakness or not being able to deal um, or cope. Absolutely. It's just that I'm human. <laughs> I, it's so um, good that you said it that way. Cause I think that I do see us breaking this conversation up, but I think this is kind of like the world according to Sarah Marshall, <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> you know, I don't know exactly the time frame, but I want to say pretty much since the advent of psychology, maybe I'll say about the last hundred years, probably a little bit further back, we've been pretty obsessed with studying the mind, how mm -hmm. the mind works. Now we got into neuroscience at a level we've, we've been like cracking open, understanding how the brain works in a way that we've never seen before. And there's all kinds of, you know, forensic fingerprinting work that can be done with neuroscience and brain scans. And I mean, all kinds of incredible work has been done. And I think while we focused on that, there was a bit of, um, bastardizing the emotions mm -hmm. and like they're no big deal oh kids have emotions adults don't have emotions you know children cry when they get hurt you should get over that by the time you're 12 you know and like mm -hmm. in general like we even kind of started talking about at the beginning about social media the world that we live in is is dominated by it's the expectation that the normal state of being a human being is to be just happy and excited and lit up and positive all the time and exactly. that that's how it should be Mm -hmm. And in my own journey, plus taking hundreds of people through their own physical and emotional healing process, the healthiest humans are the ones that have access to the full range and they don't get stuck anywhere. Mm. So it's like, yeah. 
if somebody dies, grief is a natural expression. If you lose a job, if you even like one, I just actually did a podcast with someone who their whole work is around coaching people on grief and how even fulfilling a goal and, and something you've been striving for for a long time, when it's fulfilled, there's even sometimes grief because it's sort of like, now what? You know, so yeah. grief has a natural place in our life. Sadness has a natural place in our life. Despair has a natural place in our life. Anger, all of these things, right? And we have a tendency to, to culturally and in ourselves think like, if I'm feeling any of these things, something's wrong, something's broken, I'm broken, something's wrong with me, this shouldn't be the way that it is. And as soon as mm-hmm. we get into the shouldn't be, ironically, emotions stay stuck and we have to keep dealing with them. Like I've often said it's emotion, energy and motion, and it's the allowing it to flow and allowing Mm -hmm. it to be released. That's where so much of our healing can come from. And when we ignore it, suppress it, you know, and like you've really articulated, there's a journey to even sorting out what am I even feeling and why? Like, where is this even coming from? And I love how you even said retrospectively that's very common. I have clients who come to me for one, I mean, most of the time people walk in the door because they want to lose weight or have more energy. Like it's, I want to feel good. I want to look good. Like those are the main reasons, you know, but then underneath that there could be history of cancer or history of major, you know, all kinds of major illnesses that's in their background that they're like, oh yeah, but I'm over that. Uh I did it. I did the thing. My body's fine. Uh-huh. But there can be all kinds of residual uh-huh. emotions either from the actual treatments themselves. I mean, it's not like a small thing to go in and have leap surgery and, you know, radiology and all of those kinds of things happening to us. And, and so then to go back and just make sure we fully have healed from that experience, not to mention whatever emotional things were going on before and during that we either didn't have the energy to process or we just didn't even know to do it at the time. So you just, you've done an amazing job pointing to some of those things in your story that I see really commonly for people. They're like, why is this coming up now? It happened eight years ago. <laughs> like, Cause it's stuck in your body and it's going to stay there until you process it. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Um, there's this exercise uh, that I, I learned to do and I don't know if you've you've heard of it, but it's described as softening, mm. and it's um, it's where you you know it, it's exactly that it's it's not repressing your emotion or pretending that everything's all happy and great and amazing and. Um, there's there's a lot recently that's sort of with um, the law of attraction. Yeah. And yeah, you know, feel happy, be happy. And if you're feeling a negative emotion, transmute it into a positive emotion and that sort of thing. Uh, but what softening is all about is actually sort of recognizing that you're feeling something mm-hmm. and and developing a sense of acceptance about it. So it's almost like stepping outside of yourself and seeing that emotion in you and recognizing and also feeling where it is in your body and just accepting that, yeah, that's, that's there, you know, I'm feeling this. Um, And depending on how much time you want to spend on it, you can think about why you're feeling it and that sort of thing. But that recognition is so important yeah. And not suppressing it because, well, it's it, for me personally, <laughs> suppression mm-hmm. has led to no good thing. <laughs> that, it, and, and while you have personal experience, it's not personal to you. That happens across the board with all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as I've yeah. explored, you know, my journey's taken me from when I was a kid. I had asthma and a lot of immune system problems and I utilized a lot of conventional medicine to literally save my life. Like I wouldn't be on this planet without rescue inhalers, breathing treatments and antibiotics. So I'm eternally grateful that we have that. Then Mm -hmm. that led me to like, okay, well, but what do we do in between asthma attacks? Is there anything I can do to heal my lungs? And I like discovered when I would 
swim in the wintertime, I'd get less asthma attacks because my body mm-hmm. was physically stronger. And then that eventually led me to exploring. I was a chemistry major as my undergraduate. And oh my so goodness. <laughs> the, my whole background was like, well, in a, in, a, in a chemical reaction, if you put the wrong products in under the wrong conditions, you get the wrong you know, products yeah. out. So like it made yeah. sense. So I'm like, well, nutrition, our body's a big giant chemistry set. So I started messing with my nutrition. You know, if I put different things in, I get different results out. And, and then thus it continued on till naturopathic yeah. school and all of that. And I've been through homeopathic protocols and all kinds of high, you know, nutrition protocols and cleanses and detoxes and fasts. Interestingly enough, 25 years later, I'm starting to explore shamanism and really deep levels of energy healing. Mm -hmm. And there's not a shamanic practice I've ever found (laughs) that is like, you should just suppress that. Just hold on to that, right? (laughs) Don't let that go, you know? And even we look at meditation and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's kind of the beginning levels of meditation of just sitting and being and quieting. But I actually had a meditation teacher who said, I want you to intentionally pick one of what he calls the five poisons. So it's anger, hatred, jealousy. Um, now I'm not gonna be able to remember them all, but it, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want you to pick one. And in this meditation, I want you to intentionally go looking for it in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where does anger show up? And then yeah. be with that. And like, yes. he'd even talk about like turning up the volume on it. Like, Get yourself worked up about it in order to then bring awareness to that, not just like just for the sake of it. So I think not only do we have, like you talked about in the law of attraction so much around like, oh, well, it's okay if you have a negative emotion, just transmute it and turn it into a positive one. There's a whole nother side of the equation of allowing ourselves in meditation, in healing experiences to actually go in deeper for the sake Mm -hmm. of releasing and processing Exactly. These things that are in us. And, and for me, ironically, the more I've been willing to experience despair, the more mm-hmm. access to joy and like ex- ecstasy that I've gotten. Mm-hmm. It, it's on both sides. It's like I'm, I'm increasing my capacity to feel period in mm-hmm. all directions. So I end up mm-hmm. getting more of it from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it's being able to, to kind of recognize it and like finding where it lives in you (laughs) rather than, you know, just experiencing the emotion and it can become quite overwhelming. There's a more, like through some of the practices that you were talking about, there's a more directed way of, Mm -hmm. of almost sort of like facing it head on. Yeah. Um, And it's not about control uh, because I think us wanting to control everything in our lives and emotions and <laughs> yes. everything else leads yeah. to a lot of these issues. Yeah. It's not about control. It's about that acknowledgement and awareness. And like you say, you know, sort of like building up and amplifying it yeah. um, is is allowing yourself to experience it at its fullest and where it lives in your body mm-hmm. and your mind to be able to say, okay, so, you know, that's who you are. (laughs) You know, that's where you are. And uh, yeah, I see you Mm -hmm. and letting it go. It's like, yeah, that's, that's great. You're there. I see you. I see the role that you've played, but I don't need that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a tool that I got exposed to and I use with my clients a lot. There's a, a book and I'm, I'll put the resources together after the podcast, but it's called the power of focusing and it's, okay. a, it's literally the same process you're talking about of like getting quiet, going inside, noticing an emotion. And then you just kind of in your own intuitive mind's eye, ask the question like, where in my body is this? And then mm-hmm. you go there. And then what's the physical sensation? And you experience the physical sensation. And then what's the emotion behind the physical sensation? You can even go deeper into like, why am I having this? what do I need to do to heal? And you're like accessing this intuitive component of your body to communicate with you. And I've had clients that have gone and literally like talking to a friend at a, at a coffee shop, had a conversation with their cancer mm-hmm. and like dialogued, like, why are mm. you here? And what, 
what do I need to learn about this? And one of the clients that I worked with, she said that her experience was the cancer said, well, you told me to come. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. what? <laughs> and, and what had happened was her brother had had cancer and she was at his bedside for nine months. And in that process, she kept saying, this Why should be you? me. This should be me. Yeah. This should be me. Why you? This should be me. Mm-hmm. And her body went, okay. Okay. And uh-huh. it manifested. Now, you know, there's all kinds of background around that, but like, this is kind of the bullet points of it. And so when she actually got that communication, she was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't need to keep learning this. I got it. And it was like she could uh-huh. then complete and say, okay, now what do we need to do? Like like another client of mine who had breast cancer, really young in her, her 30s, she said, it was like a bad roommate that I needed to sit down and say, I really love you, but you can't live here anymore. You got to go. And she yeah, talked exactly. about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, that's so awesome the way that you've connected to that kind of a process to get in touch with and then to recognize the things where it's like okay thank you and thank you for the lessons you've brought me and 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 you can go now like it's time mm. to release yeah and i think it it changes the relationship that you have with these emotions as well yeah. um it's you know and we're we're talking about it like you said you know as if they're a <laughs> bad roommates but that's, that's really what it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> it totally um yeah well so now tell us a little bit about like where are you now in your journey yeah so now um always working on myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and with myself <laughs> um but uh sort of moved moved on from that um allowed for me to really and you know people who experience um certain things like cancer often I know it's it's not common to me um an even greater sense of perspective and what am I you know doing and what am I good at and Mm. what difference can I make in the world with what I'm good at um and have sort of, I love business. It's, it's my bag. I see things very, you know, clearly and easily. And what doesn't seem like work to me <laughs> does seem like work to others. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a big passion of mine. And I've always really been driven by just this desire. And it is an innate drive. It's not something that I sort of have a choice over mm. um, wanting to to make a positive difference in the life of others yeah. and wanting to do more in, in whichever way that I can. Um, so as things currently are, um, I own a few businesses. I'm launching um, a couple more, working on a, a very cool project with one of the companies um, I, I'm one of the owners of, and it's a motorcycle company, which is quite fun and we're looking at having a a female-led range so female Mm. designers engineers and that sort of thing Um, and um, consulting companies so a few I I work with a few um, companies each year and consult around strategy and operations Um, I own a perfume company Uh, I'm launching um, an app which is called daily inspiration Mm. which is uh which is more of a passion project and um profits will go to a community interest initiative that i've set up so uh it goes toward helping community and uh, non-profit projects and the app um sends out uh inspirations in five areas of life each day uh because sometimes i feel like you get a quote and it's a general quote but Sometimes your lack of motivation is about money or about spirituality or about your emotional state. So it sends out inspirations in five different areas of life every day. Um, It has a daily journal section where you can have your action lists and your gratitude for the day. Um, A vision board section to add your little images and a monthly review. Oh my gosh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. It's actually in test phase at the moment. So hoping to launch 
um, next month for people to sign up for free and just test it and tell us what's not working and what needs, what could be better and that sort of thing. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. Awesome. Um, and also a um, community and personal safety app. Um, so that's uh, been in the makings for quite a while now, um, but allows for, uh, well, different um, authorities and institutions to send out notifications of, of what people need to be on the lookout for in their area. Mm. But quite um, importantly, allows for people to report incidents and also to be able to get support. So looking to have um, non-profit organizations and different projects that support and help people who are victims of violence um, and crime um, to be able to, to offer support to them through the app and to have it all sort of in one place. Um, and yeah, so, so that's the other thing. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. thank you for, I mean, you're clearly someone committed to making a difference with other people and, and got a lot happening and taking the time to, to be here and share your story and your journey of, you know, it'd be easy to say like, Oh, and this is what I'm up to now. And I'm owning these companies. And, but like, to, like you said, to be able to share the journey and the challenges and the low points and the growth that we have to go through in order to create, you know, these opportunities in our life. It's thank you for your uh, authenticity. Oh, no, I'm really happy to share and I'm very honored to have, you know, been given the opportunity. So thank yeah, you. Absolutely. And, you know, timing wise, uh, because of how we're recording these, the app may actually already be out by the time this uh, releases. So oh, we'll be able to connect fun. the, we'll be able to connect the people that hear this to, to that app for that resource and make oh, sure that fantastic. those will be all connected. You and I will stay in touch about it. So. Oh, absolutely. Thank awesome. you very much. I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful and thank you. And, um, yeah, um, if you know, there's anything I can ever do to help or support, sure. do let me know. Yes, uh, I will for you're sure. One of, you're one yes. of those. You're one of those. Um, you know, same souls who's out there to make a difference and is mm -hmm. being very driven by something that's greater and beyond. So yeah, absolutely, anytime. Yeah, great. I similarly have that experience where I don't have much choice in the matter. Every yeah. time I start to step away from it, the universe is like, uh, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> like, okay, back on track. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, thanks again. I so appreciate it. And, uh, My pleasure. We will, we will connect soon. Absolutely. Take okay. care of you, Sarah. You Thank bet. you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to today's guest, Nolene Maripin, for her laughter and love. You can learn more about finding your own healing by going to sarahmarshallnd.com or follow me on Instagram at sarahmarshallnd. Me and my team were so glad you were here. Super thanks to Roddy Nickpour, music composer, and to our editor, Kendra Vicken. Until next time.